This is The Faithful Expositor, a podcast from the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Jonathan Sims of Shepherdville Mills Baptist Church. Welcome to another edition of The Faithful Expositor. This is Brother John O. Sims today, kind of sitting in as host, and we're in the midst of our annual fall outreach here at Shelbyville Mills. It's something we do every year where we challenge our people to reach out and invite friends and family and neighbors and co-workers to our church. And we always have a guest preacher every year that comes in and preaches. And this year's pastor is Pastor Jason Johns. He's the pastor at First Baptist Church, Lake Butler, Florida. Been there for 17 years in full-time pastoral ministry for 25. Uh, Jason's a grown to be a close personal friend of mine and as well his wife Nancy and they have three children that I also know uh, Dawson and Chloe and Bella and if they're listening today I want them to know how much I love them mm-hmm. and appreciate them and their family and brother Jason we are so grateful brother that you're in Shelbyville Tennessee it is good to be here. Um, it's my first time uh, getting to be with you guys in a setting like this, and I have thoroughly enjoyed the services, thoroughly enjoyed getting uh, to know uh, the people here, and a uh, very good time at your house yesterday, getting yeah. to spend some time with your family, and I yeah. certainly love your children and, and everyone that's connected to them. Well, it's just a joy for us to have you. Kayla put on a couple of big pot roasts yesterday, mm. and we had potatoes and carrots in the crock pot and gravy and and uh green bean casserole and yeah which was one of my favorites yep yep and a spinach dip yeah and fruit and it was good and you didn't partake of the peach ice cream and the cake we had but um it was i did just... not because the people who know me know that i save my dessert for about 10 o'clock at night <laughs> it is part of my wind down there you go there you go well brother it's just i've preached at your church now twice mm-hmm. and it's just like um i'm at home when i'm there i know the people by name i've preached two full week length meetings there at First Baptist Church, Lake Butler, and I just love your people with all of my heart. And um, we also pray that uh, that's your experience here, brother, that you know we love you and you're welcome here. And Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Yesterday morning, uh, the Lord led Brother Jason, as Providence would have it, to share his personal testimony. And then last night, He preached from Isaiah chapter Mm 6, and the theme this week, put together by God, it's not something we plan, but is the glory of God, and each message focuses on a different aspect of God's glory, and yesterday morning was God's glory in conversion, Mm -hmm. Uh, last night was God's glory in crisis, and it was just phenomenal. I've gotten so many uh, people's feedback about how God used the messages to help them, and it also appears, brother, that we've had... A few people converted. I was so delighted to Amen. hear that. Amen. Uh, one of our um, staff members here, son, uh, has been converted, came up to me uh, yesterday, and, and they he's been struggling for a long time, but God clearly spoke to him through your testimony, mm. and God used that to draw him to Christ yesterday, and we're just so thankful, just so yeah. grateful. I sense the moving of the Lord yes. in these services, yeah. and uh, that's just... Uh, invaluable you, you you can't 
put a price tag on it. You can't explain it. I, I, I believe it's because your people, my people, uh, we've all sought the Lord in prayer, and He answers prayer. Yes. And I, I, I praise Him today that, that I see Him moving through the preaching of His Word. Amen. Well, that would be, you used a word there that would be the perfect segue into what I want to talk to you about today, invaluable. And that's exactly how I feel having you here today, brother. Um, there's a lot of people that can speak to a lot of different things. But I know this from personal experience. Nobody can speak to the church like a godly committed local pastor. Mm. And that's what you've been now for 25 years. And there's just a perspective that a long-tenured pastor has, especially being in the same church for 17 years as you have, mm -hmm. that's so rare, so invaluable today. And again, as I always say, and you can testify to the people that I'm telling the truth, this is completely non-scripted. Mm -hmm. uh, we sat down in my office for maybe 45 seconds before we came <laughs> over here, and I just kind of told you the direction I'd like to go, and we, you said, let's go, and so here we are. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk to you today, Brother Jason, about this whole matter of beginning the journey and proceeding on the journey, though we never conclude it, this side of heaven, mm -hmm. of being a biblically healthy church. Mm -hmm. I want to say, as an outsider, I've preached at your church now two full weeks, and that I see from firsthand meeting your pastors, meeting your deacons, meeting your people in your church, that your church has been through the fires of reformation. Your, your church have been through the fires of what it means to see a church reform to biblical health. You guys are functioning that way. Again, we all understand, not in perfection. Right. We don't even need to give that disclaimer. But at the same time, you guys have the scars and have paid the price uh, in many, many installments to see your church be true to the guiding principles laid down in the Word of God for how a church under Christ must function and must operate. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to talk to you about that today. When you think about beginning the journey, there's a pastor out there listening today, and maybe he's studying the Word, he's hearing some messages, maybe been to a good conference like the True Church Conference mm -hmm. or the Shepherds Conference, and he knows that something's wrong with the church today. Mm -hmm. And he, God's burdening his heart like he did mine and yours yes. to see his church become a church true to the New Testament. Out of the box, brother, um, step number one, what would be your counsel to the brother that doesn't even know where to begin or how to begin? What word would you give to that brother to start the first step of a million to seeing his church being a biblically healthy church? Yeah. Well, I'm even going to take a step back from that and, and say this, that I don't feel like our church was a biblically healthy church 17 years ago, and I didn't know it. Mm -hmm. I, I had just gone with what I had been taught and taught by men that I love and respect, uh, good, great men of God. And I want to say I loved Jesus, and um, our people loved Jesus. Mm -hmm. And, and and wanted to reach the world. We just didn't know some things. Sure. 
And so when the Lord began to show us some things about um, just some lack of health in our understanding of conversion and membership and other things that that we'll talk about, um, one, the first thing I had to do was talk with someone who was further down the road. Yep. Now, those who, who have heard my story know that that was just really a work of providence and God leading me to uh, Brother Jeff Noblet. And uh, he was the first brother that, that came in and helped counsel me and preach to our church and kind of head us in that direction. So I would say, number one, get with some brothers who have done it before. Amen. Uh, secondly... I would say uh, if you've just clearly identified that there are um, unbiblical practices in your church um, that you understand you didn't get there in a year right? and you're not going to change it in a year, um, you love those people where they are. Yeah. And uh, it, it's going to take time and you need to be a faithful pastor who is willing to stay there and love those people rightly, and it's, it's going to be a process. Yeah. I'm just interested to back up to that first thing you said, and I do believe that would be step number one. I completely agree with that, to seek out wiser, older brothers that have been doing it and uh, get with them and spend time with them. Mm-hmm. So here you are kind of you didn't know what, what healthy church was. You, you don't know what you don't know. And you start reading the scriptures. You, the Spirit of God starts working on your heart. You begin to get troubled in your spirit. Mm-hmm. And you, by God's providence, run across Jeff Noblet. And so y'all hook up. Y'all meet. What was that like to sit down with him and hear him speak all of the things you've been sensing and studying and discerning what was that like for you brother one it was just helpful to know there's someone else um i i didn't know anybody else was uh necessarily uh feeling the same things that i that i was feeling you you don't really know uh which direction to go do you just go preach it next sunday right or do you go do you leave church and go somewhere else where that's already established and they're like-minded uh, you know, getting to talk to him helped me understand this guy 25 years ago was exactly where I am, and now he's 25 years down the road. I see the fruit of his labor, and, and he's able to go back and say, oh, and by the way, the Lord did get us here, but I made some blunders along the way, and uh, I can tell you some things that you don't have to mess up. And, and that was very helpful because there probably would have been times that I, I would have done some things that um, he, he was able to say, that's, that's not the direction right now. Yeah. Well, you know, you said that the meeting this week, our fall outreach, kind of took on the theme of the glory of God, and the Lord just put it together. And I didn't know that this podcast would take on this theme of invaluable But I think what you've just said is invaluable, and that is, you know, for me, I had that same experience with Brother Jeff uh, decades ago. And for me, I just just didn't feel like I was crazy. Yes. Uh, For me, I just felt like, well, you know, I'm not, there's not something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And and to have that affirmation and, and then to, to see it actually 
at work in a church to mm-hmm. see a church actually functioning because I'd never seen a healthy church. Mm-hmm. I'd never been in one. Never yeah, there been. was no one around me that I was going to be able to go to and tell them what I was thinking about changing and, and where I saw a need for change in the church because they would just be like, well, brother, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. So um, going back to your original question, you know, just some, some first steps, uh, I definitely would, would say that would be huge. Uh, secondly, I, I would want to mention um, just prioritizing preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, the number one thing that has uh, made the difference, that has been the anchor, uh, that has been the rudder uh, that's kept us headed towards um, being a biblically healthy church is just preach the word, trust the word. Of course, I went on to preaching the word and the power of the spirit, but we'll say invaluable again. Yeah. Like it, it's not one of five things that you do. It is the thing. It's it's how God builds that church. In fact, you're getting to a point, same with me, if I've heard you correctly, because this is my story, but you're getting to a point of discovering there's something wrong with the church. And you're getting to a point of discovering, wow, we've missed some things, came through expository preaching, mm-hmm, did it not? Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, that's true for me. I, the, 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 the things that I began to notice that were deficient in the church, I was encountering in my daily Bible study, mm-hmm. getting ready to preach God's word. So I want to just echo that expository preaching is the foundation. You cannot build a church upon any other foundation than that which has already been laid. That's the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember... I think it was 2009. I got there in 2006, and I think it was 2009 that I preached getting the gospel right. Amen. That That's what I kind of remember the starting point, and it was exactly. like we have gotten biblical conversion wrong with what I would call decisionism, yes. um, easy believism, and we won't be able to define all of that. But we had to get back to what does the Bible teach about true conversion? Yeah. And it's astounding when you, every Southern Baptist, which that's the tradition you and I were both raised in, every Southern Baptist will hold up the Baptist faith and message and say, this is our statement of faith. This is what we believe. If they really believe the the statement of the doctrine of regeneration, we probably wouldn't have had these problems because that's what you and I had to fight our way back to mm-hmm. is what our Baptist forefathers taught, and that is, Conversion is a miracle of the Spirit of God in grace, awakening a dead sinner, giving him faith, giving him repentance, not just walking an aisle, praying a sinner's prayer, or raising your hand in a VBS afternoon session. Right. You know. Right. And and, and our roles proved that. Our um, our people, though, the Lord works through His man. Yep. This started in me. It has to. God dealing with me. And, Absolutely. And, you know, our congregation isn't in there when, when the Lord is doing this work in me. And so it takes them a little time to see what the Lord's been showing. But they could look. There's 770 people on the roll and 250 in attendance. Right. Like, if these people were converted according to what we believe in the Bible, they would be here. Mm-hmm. They'll all be there for a business meeting, though. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> they'll all show up for a business meeting because they think they're voting members. Mm-hmm. And how many churches have we known that have been just destroyed? Yeah. And, and that's so unhealthy. It's brother, that is an unhealthy church, which brings me to the second thing you mentioned was you said we had to get conversion right and then you said we had to get membership right. Mm-hmm. What did that look like for y'all? So in our constitution bylaws we had active members and we had inactive members. Mm which was unbiblical. And, and our people knew that. They just pragmatically had, had worked this way. Uh, there's no category in the Bible of an inactive Christian. Right. And so preach, preach, and preach some more. Yes. And then begin the process of this unbiblical practice, because our doctrine drives our practice, this unbiblical practice has to be removed. And so we began uh, the process of that, bringing it before our people. And um, we're pastor-led, congregational governed. And so they, they were going to make uh, the vote and decision to change our bylaws. And that took time. Yeah. Uh, because in voting that there would not be an inactive list and only active members. You're removing them effectively. I mean, Sons. Daughters, yes, yes. grandkids, spouses yes. were going to be removed. Yes. This was a big deal. And I'll say this because you, you said to the pastor who's out there, there was one time I, I had labored, we had labored, and it was time to move. And our congregation just wasn't quite there. Mm-hmm. We backed it up six months and then had the vote, and we've never looked back. And I had to do that. That's what worked for my church. Well, it's not just what works for your church, brother. That's wisdom and prudence. And, you know, I don't know the numbers of times that you and I have talked through the years and we've arrived at that conclusion that sometimes, brother, you, you, don't, you don't do a heart transplant, liver transplant, and lung transplant on a guy in mm. same-day surgery. Mm. <laughs> Those are going to be three different surgeries. You know, Joshua didn't attack... Jericho and Ai and Gibeon all in the same day. And so there's wisdom in picking your battles and knowing when to pick them and let the Spirit bring your battles to you and not bring them in the flesh. Mm -hmm. The dovetail to this then would be, because these are like dominoes that begin to fall, they all go together and they're inseparable. You get conversion right, or at least you begin that process. Mm -hmm. Then you begin to get membership right. Well, then it's inevitable that you're going to have to teach your people church discipline. That's right. And so, so how, what did that look like for you guys? Yeah, our bullet points on a whiteboard look like this. Biblical, well, it actually was biblical authority, expositional right. preaching. Right. Then biblical conversion. Right. And then baptism. Yes. We also had to get baptism. Absolutely. Right, as, yes. the, as the statement of faith. Yes. Um, then um, biblical church membership. And I'll, I'll throw this in while we're there. You know, we had to remove, uh, goodness, some 500 people yep. over time. Yeah. We did not do a blanket removal. We, we felt like it was the right thing to go after everyone we could get an well, address sure. on Absolutely. or find. Yeah. And that was a long process. It's a process worthy of taking time. And, um, and, and going back to Brother Jeff and Grace Life Church of the Shoals, you know, when when you go through that process, you you have to develop a process uh, if you're going to be redemptive. 
And so we got our process of removing non-attenders, a first letter and then a second letter, with, with, that, with that second letter being certified mail. Yeah. And uh, doing everything that we can to, to love those people. And uh, anyway, so um, that was our process towards removing them from membership and then getting them into small groups because now that you've got members – they need to be accountable to one another. I mean, there are what, 54, 58 one another's right. in the Scripture. And so they should be doing life together and being accountable and serving. And then when that doesn't work, then we're going to bring in church discipline. Yes, sir. Me and Kayla were on the drive home from church yesterday. And um, she took a year off from teaching, um, 34 years in a row she's taught small groups i think she's taught through the bible three times um that's awesome more than me i mean she's kayla's got a i've said this before but she's got a better grasp on the panoramic view of the bible than Mm -hmm. i do i mean she blows me away in that regard and uh she took a break which i think was overdue and now she's back teaching a ladies small group and she loves it Mm -hmm. and she loves her class and uh, But we were just talking on the way home, not about anything in particular, but just the work of small groups. And, and it is hard. It's difficult. It, it requires your time. You have to study. You have to be prepared. You, you have to minister to people. It's, it's like shepherding a small group kind Absolutely. of. Absolutely. And um, I told Kayla on the way home yesterday, I said, this is why wholesale churches have abandoned small groups. They've abandoned it because it is hard work. Mm-hmm. And I want to just say that, not to scare anybody off, but to give them a shot of reality, that the journey to be a biblically healthy church is hard work, is it not? Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's more than us. Yes. Who is sufficient for, for these this work? Yeah. That's right. Um, and, and when we talk about small if you're serious about having biblical conversion, biblical church membership, for the glory of God, which we haven't gotten to, which is driving everything. Right. Yeah, the the church is the centerpiece of his glory, and, and we know those things. Um, then you've got to maintain the purity of the church. Yes. And small groups, I would say the vast majority of our church discipline takes place in small groups. It's true here. It's it's one on one. Yes. It's two or three before it ever gets to the church. You know, it's it's somebody within your small group saying. Hey, I, I've been missing you. And you know, by what's the way, going on? And by the way, Pastor, the same with hospital visitations, the yes. same with sicknesses, the same with surgeries, the same with I'm discouraged, the same with I have marriage problems. Small group leaders going to be the first line of defense. Mm-hmm. And, we go, and we go back to the one another's, exhorting one another, yes. praying for one yes. another, admonishing one another. That all takes place in small groups. And, and I believe if you don't have that system in place, then then how is it going to happen in a functional way? Well, it's not. Right. And that's what we see, hence the state of unhealthy churches. Mm-hmm. That, you know, they used to say that, that that church is just a preaching point. Uh, people just show up to hear a sermon. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that at lunch today, about people who hide in churches, specifically large churches. Mm-hmm. They're unaccountable. No one knows them. pastor doesn't even know their name. Uh, you know, and th- this is kind of what you and I've been the stream we've been swimming upstream against for years mm-hmm. and you know we'll obviously talk some more about you know some of those 
way marks that define a healthy church. But just in this point of our discussion, I'm just interested. So I'm sure that it was all smooth sailing. You never had a problem. No one ever complained. You never had any spiritual warfare. It was Everybody loved it. It was great. They lived happily ever after. Is that it? <laughs> That was that was not it, and it was it was the furthest from that. Um, yeah, it was it was very difficult um, on mentally, emotionally, spiritually, family, you name it. And um, I, I want to commend the good brothers and sisters at First Baptist who have walked this journey with me. Right, uh, they have um, given a labor of love a sacrifice to our king and and I'm so grateful for that but um yeah I, I don't I don't know how to keep it concise in in saying that there were I mean you could call it a split uh I, I remember one time we lost about 80 families or you know 80 different groups between a single or a family or a couple um at one time because these doctrines these practices it's just not I've got to go through a membership class. I'm out. You know, I, I don't. We didn't have anybody get saved at VBS. You know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Just wrong systems of thinking and wrong standards being superimposed over on. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be here and right. have my grandkid removed off of the membership. Yes. Uh, you name it. For this cause, a mother will be set against a daughter, mm-hmm. a son against his father. They that will be his enemies will be those of his own household. Christ divides. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sorry, but no. there, there, there are in this journey there are people who attack, um, and that has to be dealt with. Right. Um, and then there are people who um, need to be shepherded, and you're going to have meeting after meeting after meeting, and some you're going to have to draw a line and say, that's all I can meet. Right. That's all I can say. Yep. That's just who we are. And it's right. okay. I love you, and I believe that you love me. And if this doesn't work, then I really do care mm-hmm. more than you know that I care. But I care most about the glory of God. Yes. And I've got to give an account for what these scriptures teach, and mm-hmm. it's just okay. Yeah. It is, and it, it doesn't mean that emotionally you don't die a thousand deaths. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't mean that you're not heartbroken. It doesn't mean that you don't feel a great tug and a great pull on your heart because we do love people and we do care. Nobody likes conflict, but we're staring down the gun barrel of the judgment seat of Christ, brother. We're going to give an account to the Lord Jesus Christ one day for the call on our lives, for the 66 books of the Bible that he gave to us, and the congregation, the flock, that the Holy Ghost has made us an overseer of. And at the end of the day, our love and our loyalty to Jesus must eclipse every other love and loyalty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I remember one of Jeff's, I think it was the theme of a true church conference. Um, if the local church isn't right, mm-hmm. nothing else matters. Amen. It's just stuck with me. And I would just, I just think of those brothers who may be listening. Do you believe that? Amen. If the local church isn't right, Nothing else matters. There needs to be a witness in your community of the true Christ, of who he truly is and his glory and his purity, and that is to be seen in the church. And if that's not driving you, I don't think you'll make it. I agree. 
And if it is driving you, then you'll have the patience. I, I mean, where else are you going to go? Mm-hmm. The, the, this is what I'm willing to plow for. This is what I'm willing to bleed for and lay down my life for. And do it where you're planted. Paul said to Timothy, I hope to come see you shortly. But if I'm delayed, I'm writing these things to you that you might know how to behave yourself in the house of God, mm-hmm. which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Mm-hmm. The church must be the one place in any town, in any country, where people know if I go there, I'm going to hear the truth. And the pastor, likewise, must be the one man in town that people know if you talk to that guy, he's going to tell you the truth no matter the cost. Yeah. Amen. And we're not called, you know, we're not called to be everybody's buddy. We're not called to be everybody's pal. We're not called to be Mr. Relevant. We're called to be truth tellers and truth speakers. Obviously, we should do it in love and with grace seasoned with salt. But at the end of the day, our job, like you said, is to manifest the truth of God and therefore glorify Christ, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if I know the there's a desire for, you know, not publicly exposing someone or whatever. I, I get that be needlessly, but would there be, I think every preacher comes to a Jordan River moment, a place where he either steps down into the waters and the waters miraculously divide or he stays on the bank in fear and falls back in unbelief. Did you have one of those moments? Was there a time like that where you you came to a place to where you counted the cost and, you know, it was a decisive moment, a decisive time where you and your brothers and your church decided, no, we're going on, we're going forward? Mm, that's an interesting question. Um, I can't say that there was just this moment. I can only say that just early on, um, there was just a conviction mm. and and maybe I just say to the glory of God by his grace uh, granting a conviction that I don't know what else to do yeah. other than it, if this is truth if this is what the Bible says I guess they'll just have to vote me out yeah I, I you know I didn't uh, I was going to say I didn't think about going anywhere else but there's probably a time <laughs> I had to think about do I need a contingency plan? Yeah, but um, but I do r- remember some some really rough days. I, I remember you know preaching and you know people were writing down uh, who I was quoting. People um, were uh, attacking anything that I said. You know, taking note of anything that might be, um, and I, I I had everything from you know you're going to have a fight on your hands to passing out. Um, audio CDs contrary to what I was preaching um, but you know I was I was blessed to have some guys early on who were just on board mm-hmm. and thank God just kept for us. them and, and I do think that it's just been the grace of God for us and I'm not just throwing that out there um, a lot of good brothers have lost their jobs mm. and I didn't because of providence yeah and um, I agree. the Lord just saw us through. Amen. I agree with that. You did. You did hit uh, discipline a moment ago, and I, I just wanted to kind of mention something to that. Um, 
And I, th- I think the best counsel that I received on that was, one, um, don't do it until you've preached it. Yes. Preached it, preached it, preached it. Then make sure that your leaders are on board with you before you do. And we're talking a last step, church discipline, removing someone, excommunicating. And um, that, that can probably go for non-attendance, but especially for someone who's in public sin. Yes, sir. Um, you, your congregation needs to be informed well. And um, I would say there's a fine line, but you may have to wait. Yes, to be able to do it. Yes. And that's that's not compromise if you're convictional and your heart is there, but you're just trying to shepherd the best that you can. Now, if you're being timid and fearful, that's sin, and that's that's a different story. Well, let's be honest. It's church discipline. And in my early years here, I'll be honest, I wasn't compromising, but we had there was some known church discipline cases that probably should have been dealt with Mm -hmm. that there's no way the church would have taken a stand they weren't with me right you know and it was painful to watch that and let that happen and it grieved me to the core of my being but the church was so sick and so unhealthy and so biblically immature that I knew that they haven't been taught these principles that they don't even see this as a problem and, and you have to just kind of begin to build the truth in the lives of the church through preaching the word. And and we had a time where if we had practiced discipline on everyone who was on our rolls, there wasn't enough manpower. I mean, you, yeah. you can't you can't pick one and leave right. out five. Right. But there's no way we could have handled that. We had to get our membership to yeah. where we could shepherd the flock of God among us. Yes. Um, the last thing I would say to that is. Um, you know, follow the example in First Corinthians, First Corinthians five. Paul dealt with the most egregious case yep. of church discipline at Corinth. Like yep. the people outside the church know that this is wrong. Like, how have you not mourned and put this one out from among you? Yeah. And um, I would say our first cases um, were ones like that where it's just obvious to everyone you have to do something here i would i would agree with that but i would also go back to the very first thing you said as foundational is expository preaching and this is what i've always maintained is that expository preach preaching god's word line by line verse by verse precept upon precept and the power of the holy spirit is in and of itself church discipline Mm. And what I mean by that is you'll be amazed at the numbers of goats that that calls out. Yes. And, brother, what happened here was the word was just preached and preached and preached and preached, and the Spirit moved and moved and moved and moved, and we moved more and more and more toward obedience to the word, more toward a position of biblical health, that the people that hated that and disdained that, they removed themselves. Yeah. And so a lot of that is going on in the backdrop, too, which is just God's Word doing its work. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know you would say this. We'd never want to lose a single person. I wish we didn't. Yeah. Um, I, I wish everyone would hear the Word and, and that we would be unified in the Spirit. Maybe we'd all grow in the measure of the stature of the exactly. force of Christ. But it doesn't happen, and it hurts every, every time yeah. you lose someone. Absolutely. 
you said something, brother, and it just, boy, when you said it, man, just a, just a whirlwind of, I had a flashbacks just sitting here. And uh, it just, I, I'm kind of reliving my journey as I talk with you. But you talked about just that that season of like, and you gave some examples, people taking notes. They're listening to you not from a standpoint of wanting to be edified, but of critique yeah. and, and t- to gain ammunition. So they parse every single word you say for the, quote, hidden meaning. They listen to every phrase you say. They listen to your sources, find out who their sources are to trace you back to something they view as aberrant so that they can disprove you, discredit you. And you can find yourself in an atmosphere, uh, especially in your early years. And I say this to a young pastor listening. The atmosphere can be so critical and it can be so judgmental and it can be so, uh, I guess I would say, excessively introspective of you. I I call it parsing your very personality. Mm. I felt like, you know, I couldn't go to the bathroom without it being a controversy. Mm -hmm. If I scratched my nose in the service, it meant something, you know. If If I rubbed my head, that sent some type of a secret message. And, brother, I never will forget, um, I had all of that and then some. But there was actually uh, one of our deacons that uh, drove his car right back here to this back corner of the parking lot. And I didn't know this for a long time, but he would sit back there and he had a log and, and it, he, he would log in a notebook every day the time I came in, what, what time I came in and what time I left and made the statement, well, all Brother Jono wants to do is deer hunt or something like that mm-hmm. to make it sound like, you know, well, he's sloughing off, he's not doing his job. And, and man, it can be intensely personal in those, in those years. It, the warfare can be extreme. And I, I'll be honest with you, brother, when, you, when all you hear is criticism and all you hear is negativity and all you hear is this judgmental, you're failing, you're falling short, you're not what we need, blah, 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 you can get to thinking something's wrong with you. It mm-hmm. starts messing with your mind. I know I experienced that. Did you did you experience anything like that of just, man, it just plays on your mind and your heart and your emotions? Mm-hmm. I, w- I would say that my personality is I lend, I'm, I'm a people person. Mm-hmm. So I want to enjoy people. I want right. I, I like people and I want people to like me. Uh, it can even get when it's and when it's sinful, you know, uh, being a uh, fear of man. Yeah. And um, just wanting to please people. So I, I probably struggled a lot emotionally yeah. with that aspect of it. Sure. Um, you know, I, I, by God's grace, I continued to feel confident in leadership and, and those things. But, um, you know, you go into the ministry thinking it's going to be glorious. Mm. Yeah. It's this, this is all I want to do with my life. And you find yourself saying, this is awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I would say, you know, for someone who signs up for the pastorate, yeah. because it sounds like a good job or something to be pretty cool, something interesting, you like the Bible a little bit, you're not going to make it. I would say, you know, and we're not big book recommenders here, but a good read for any young pastor, and his wife needs to read it too, is Dangerous Calling by Tripp. Yeah. Um, that, because that's what it is. It, it's a dangerous calling, and that book will help you kind of survey in advance of a reality check of what the ministry is going to look like and, and be like. And I'm like you, 
Uh, all those things were oppressive. They were extremely heavy. Uh, you do have doubts, and you 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 know it, it it just gut checks you at the deepest levels. But at the end of the day, brother, and I've said this a million times, here's the conclusion I would come to: I'm called. That's right. I'm called, brother. I have a divine call from God on my life. Lord, where will I go? You have the words of eternal life. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I couldn't go anywhere else, and I didn't want to go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And so no matter how bad it got, I knew this was a God-ordained lot for me and that I had to be faithful to the written Word of God. And, and let me say this. I am so thankful he kept me. Amen, brother. It's the only way sitting, we made it. Sitting where I'm at now, yep. I'm so glad it, it, that I didn't go anywhere else or uh, you know, we, we didn't stick it out or we compromised or whatever. Um I'm loving it Amen. now at 17 years. It in. gets sweet, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. And that's that's the thing that grieves me about pastors that don't stay and don't endure the rigors and jump from you know one church to another. They never get to see that enjoyable, fulfilling. Not that it's ever without problems, mm-hmm. but it really becomes fulfilling. And it to it, there's nothing more glorious than to see a church begin to mature and grow and mm-hmm. think biblically and act biblically and respond biblically. Oh, and by the way, it not only grow, matures and grows the church, but yeah. you know who gets matured and grown the most? The pastor. That's right. Absolutely. So, brother, let me, let, let's let be reminded of, brother who's listening, of James chapter 1, consider mm. it joy mm. when you fall into various trials, knowing that the trying of your faith is working patience and yeah. patience works endurance and God's maturing and completing and perfecting you through the fire. Absolutely. Well, you said something yesterday in your testimony message on the glory of God in conversion. And Ryan and I had staff meeting this morning and he brought it up again and uh, just testified to what an impact that it had on him. And same with me. And you said, you know, that you told your story and that by God's providence, just the path God had you on, it didn't lead through seminary. Mm-hmm. But, brother, you're very knowledgeable in the scriptures. You're very not, you're a very doctrinal preacher. You are a faithful expositor. I've heard you preach many, many times. The way you set up Isaiah chapter 6 yesterday, most guys that preach it never get that. And, and it was that glorious revelation of God that Isaiah saw grew out of crisis. Mm-hmm. And your whole point was seeing God through crisis. You know, King Uzziah died. It turned the nation upside down. It was a it was a, a very crisis point in the life of the nation. And then comes the vision of the glory of God. And you did such a masterful job. And you, the Lord didn't lead you through the traditional mortar brick box, you know, seminary. Mm-hmm. So what's the word brother to a pastor how do you how do you build yourself up on your most holy faith how do you train and study and grow in doctrine and how how do you get where the lord's led you to without maybe going the traditional route of seminary Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i'll just preface by saying i'm not against seminary sure me either um i think it's been very helpful and it's the right thing to do for many it just wasn't in God's plan for right, me. Right. But, um, you know, God's plan is his local church. So it works. And I was in a local church and I was given the opportunity to use my gifts 
in a local church, and I availed myself to um, everything that I could avail myself to. My pastor, we had um, other pastors who were brought in and preached the word, and I did consume preaching. Mm. Um, Trying to think back, even before I was a preacher, I, I, I consumed preaching. And um, I was under the influence in in those years. I shared that I was in the um, independent an independent fundamental church, and preachers preached with passion. Yep, and they believed in unction and the Holy Spirit, and they they probably weren't as good at exposition some of them as what we're exposed to now, but they taught me how to pray. Mm-hmm. Be desperate for the Holy Spirit, yep. and preach with all your heart. Yeah, and so that was one significant aspect of my training. And just for full disclosure, I believe every bit of that. Mm-hmm. And I know that's taboo with some of the brothers out there, but I've stated that, and I'm unashamed, brother. I, I believe in the real, vital, living ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And you couldn't be further from a charismatic than me, mm-hmm. doctrinally, mm-hmm. but. But if, if that means there's no Holy Spirit, I'm out. Yeah. I'd be sunk without him, mm. brother. And I, I appreciate and Not all guys have to preach like you do. Not all guys have to preach like I do. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, man. I don't know how you preach without unction, and I don't know how you preach without some zeal and without some fervor for the Word of God and the holy things of Jesus. You know, it just I, – I appreciate that about you, brother. Yeah. I, I really do. I, well, go ahead. Just to go, go yeah. on, I would just say, secondly um, – I can still remember the first guy that recommended a book to me. And and I really didn't know anything. And if you had heard my, my whole story, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm green, I'm raw. And he handed me a book by Andrew Murray. Mm. And um, I consumed everything by Andrew Murray. Those books are still uh, on my shelf uh, back in my office. And what was so good about reading Andrew Murray and then... Um, Spurgeon, actually, I hesitate to say this. Actually, he introduced me to Watchman Nee mm-hmm. next, and because I know Watchman Nee can be controversial, and and then Spurgeon and E.M. Um, e. Bounds, mm-hmm. I did I didn't know there was this whole other world out there, but these guys were devotional closet writers, mm-hmm. and so I was trained early on to devote myself to the Lord. Yeah, like. I think if I were to highlight one thing to every minister out there, it's all about your personal walk with the Lord. Amen, brother. Everything. That's right. Everything. That's right. Flows out of being committed to the closet and to, um, man, prayer and worship and meeting with God. Amen. I I, Amen. I keep like. There's a part of me that feels like I have to prove that. Mm. And I'm just telling you, the single most um, impactful thing on who I am today was early on, those brothers taught me it is all about walking in the Spirit. Amen, brother. I agree. Well, I I don't think I'm saying anything contradictory to what you said at all. I'd hope hope you agree with it, but if you don't, it's not the end of the world. But... um, the the only because I'm like I went to seminary for the sake of full disclosure that you know that that's the path now I want to say this if I'd have had anchored in truth and if I'd have had a healthy local church 
I might not have. I'm just being honest with you. Mm -hmm. And I want to just for the record say, I'm not, would never hold a man back from going to seminary, but everything you need, if you're called, everything you need to learn how to shepherd a church can be found in a healthy biblical church. Amen. That's right. And um, matter of fact, here's what you'll discover. Go to seminary. Um, I went, I think mine was 104 hours is what I put in to get a Master of Divinity. And brother, they did not teach me in the slightest way how to pastor a church. I'm thankful for some of mm -hmm. the things I learned. Mm -hmm. But brother, I had to learn in the school of hard knocks. What, a much better way is what we're doing with, and that's what I want to talk about next, yeah. with Anchored in Truth, Pastoral Training Institute. And, and, and that is, like right now, I've got three young men uh, in my church, uh, four if you count Ryan, because Ryan's still, you know, fairly new to gospel ministry, that are learning what it means to preach, learning what it means to walk with God, learning what it means to shepherd a church, learning what it means to be in the ministry by being here and by being plugged in to their local church. And so here's what I'd say. You can go to seminary, but if that's all you do, it's incomplete. Mm -hmm. um, there is no substitute for the local church. And what we're trying to do, not to the exclusion per, per se of the seminary, because a guy needs hermeneutics. guy needs Greek. He needs Hebrew. He needs church history. Yes. He needs systematic theology. And maybe I'm not equipped to teach those things. Definitely not to teach. I'm definitely not equipped to teach Hebrew and Greek, mm -hmm. even even close. I couldn't even teach the introductory lesson. But um, at the same time, those things in and of themselves do not spell effective gospel minister. Mm -hmm. And there's just some things that I believe can only be taught within the context of the local church. Mm -hmm. You agree? I do agree. And um, I would like to say, you know, referencing our youth and family pastor, um, uh, Jonathan Wright, he is a uh, seminary graduate. He's already got his doctor's degree. He's about 25. <laughs> and uh, he graduated from Southern and then from got his doctorate from Midwestern. And Jonathan will tell you he hasn't been in an unhealthy church. So he was able to go to seminary and be a part of a church like Kenwood Baptist Church where it's expositional preaching, it's biblical church membership, it's church discipline. And so, man, if you can get both of those. It's wonderful. That's awesome. That wasn't my story. Mm -hmm. and, and I did have to go back, and it's taken years for me to learn biblical theology. It's taken years for me to learn um doctrines of grace and uh, you know I, you, you can list a lot of things um, I wish that I'd have known these things at 25 but I do believe getting God's church walk in the spirit mm -hmm. serve and seek the Lord with all your heart and he has just done it he's just done it yeah amen brother I completely agree and for me you know, I went the traditional, I went to Southwestern, and at that time, Southwestern was extremely unhealthy. I mean, it was, you know, <laughs> right in the fires of the conservative resurgence when the seminary was still inhabited, by and large, overwhelmingly by liberal professors, and the theology was awful, and systematic theology was deplorable. 
Um, there were a few bright spots, thank God, but uh, overall, not a good experience at all. So I had that for my seminary experience. Second prong for me was I'd never seen a healthy church, heard of one, or knew that one even existed. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just, just unbelievable learning curve, unbelievable learning curve. And while I do think it's important for young ministers to go through struggles, to go through hardships, to go through afflictions. It's good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes, and we can't protect them from that. What a blessing to come up in a healthy church and be taught theology the right way. And mm-hmm. and I, I'm hoping and praying that we're taking baby steps toward doing that in our partnership with Anchored in Truth, and I really believe we are. Um, a brother can get the best of both worlds. Yeah. He can participate in a healthy church, and he can also, like last few weeks, um, you know, you've got a brother like Tim Seal teaching Greek and Hebrew, Mm -hmm. very qualified to Mm -hmm. do that. And then, you know, you've got a retired professor from Southern Seminary teaching church history, you know, just excellent. and so, are are you teaching something with AIT, right brother? <laughs> I was supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest with you, brother, I'm in such a season right now of I'm just overwhelmed. Um, you know, just Ryan and I both are just really almost at the breaking point of mm-hmm. um, weight that we're bearing that I had to cancel. Mm-hmm. What was it going to be, brother? It was going to be uh, Doctor Seal had asked me to teach pastoral ministries. And um, I was very excited about it um, because it's similar to what we're discussing right here. The reason I ask that is because I, I want the listeners to know. So whether you, whether it's a staff member in your church or a layperson who's just wanting to grow, mm-hmm. uh, maybe it's a leader, a deacon, or an elder who's wanting to grow. Right. Um, even for us, we have a church planner in Honduras that's uh, been the pastor there for a number of years. And they're not exposed to what we're exposed to in the States. And so he's going to be able to go to the Pastoral Training Institute. And I want I want the listeners to see. So you get Dr. Seal and you get Dr. Tom Nettles. But at the same time, you also get uh, Jeff Noblet and John O'Sims. And David Young and uh, Matt Fowler. Yeah, yeah. teaching on the, the practical aspects of ministry. And by the way, Jason Johns needs to be in there too, brother. Um, and that's my appeal. Uh, because you have much to add to that. Because, brother, here, here's what we need. We need practitioners. practitioners. Mm. I'm sorry. And th- what you get in seminary a lot of times is philosophers and theologues. It, and, and I'm glad for the knowledge a guy has. That's great. But, brother, if you haven't done it in a local church, I'm yawning at it. I, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but um, don't, don't tell me, show me. I want someone who's been through it that's actually pastored a church and I think we made a terrible mistake when we moved seminaries away from churches and gay and just have professional theologues that learn that go to a Bible college and then go to a seminary and then get a doctorate degree and teach something to other guys that have never done it either it's insanity it, it just I, I'm sorry I hate to sound critical but it's just crazy that that's what theological education has come down to. It's become about enrollment. It's become about numbers. We've got to keep our enrollment up. It's about money. It's about endowments. It's about raising funds. Mm -hmm. And it's just a vicious cycle, in my opinion. And 
theological training needs to be brought back to where it's actually going to be walked out, mm-hmm. and that's the local church. And that's why I'm excited about Anchored in Truth and PTI. It's not perfect, right. but, but we're striving. you got to start somewhere. you got to start somewhere, brother. You have to start somewhere. Um, well, man, brother, it, it, it's been a, a, a joy to have you here on the Faithful Expositor. It's been a double, quadruple joy for you to preach here at Shelbyville Mills. And at the risk of sounding self-serving, and I, I hope nobody will think that's what this is, and I guess this is really more for our people here than perhaps maybe even anybody that's listening. And you've told me this before, but so many times I hear this, brother, but my people don't, and I kind of get to feeling guilty. If I say it, it sounds prideful. It sounds self-serving. But Brother, I would just ask you respectfully, because you've said this to me before, and your men have overwhelmingly said this to me. Your guys have said this again and again and again and again. But what has a friendship and what has a partnership with Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church meant for you and meant for First Baptist Church Lake Butler? Could you just give a word to our people, maybe to encourage them to keep on keeping on? Sure. Yeah, I'm actually going to say something uh, in the opening of the sermon tonight that's very practical of how they, well, I can say it now. They won't hear it until later, but I, I'm, I'm going to be preaching an overflow for my reading break tonight. Mm. My, my reading break, I focused two weeks on the glory of the person and work of Jesus Christ, but that was part of a July sabbatical. Right. The folks at First Baptist Church, like Butler, have never heard of sabbatical. They 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 don't know about reading breaks. Uh, good intentioned and great hearted, don't know exactly how to take care or, or or the burden sometimes that your pastor has, especially when um, leading a church to biblical or reforming a church to biblical health. And so one of the things that you guys counseled, you being you, you and Brother Jeff, and then modeled. As a church, Shelbyville Mills taught us how to minister to a pastor for longevity. Mm. And so I got to take a month off in July. And tonight, Lord willing, I'm going to get to preach mm. the fruit of that to your people. We reap the benefits. Yeah. Amen. I mean, I don't know if I can give a better example. There's much, much more. Mm. But uh, I, I sat at lunch today, and then I sat in your truck today, and I asked two questions concerning uh, things we've got going on at our church. There's the council aspect um, that's been good. Um, and it's not just me. Um, it, you know, even, even in our leaders who are trying to help lead the congregation and whether it's financially supporting the pastor or how to minister to the family in crisis you guys have been there mm-hmm. not just you but your church as well right and um it you can't say enough either about just modeling yeah just being able to come in and see wow look look at how their youth, the, mm. the fruit in their youth, or look at the fruit in their men, and yeah. in, in their health, and how they lead. Yeah. And um, well, it leads us back, that invaluable. It's just that's what Grace Life Church has been for me, you know. And I don't get to 
I don't get frequently asked to preach very much anymore outside of the Anchored in Truth network. And um, but years ago when I did, not to be critical, but you'd go into a lot of the churches and you know most of the adults wouldn't speak to you, let alone the students. And one of the first you asked me the first question you asked me after preaching here your very first time yesterday morning as we were going to eat lunch, you said, "I got to ask you this question." Is this really the way your young people are, or is this an act, or they, do they are they really do they really pay attention like this? And I told you, no, they really do. Mm-hmm. And you've seen that firsthand. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're perfect, but brother, I mean, w- we got some seventh and eighth graders I'd put up against anybody in the country. I mean, they're <laughs> studying the word, brother. They're taking notes. They can, they can converse with you about theology. Uh, they're obeying their parents. They they've got joy in their countenance. They yeah. want to be here. They like it. And we've got some that don't, but but by and large, that is a fairly regular, consistent, you know, uh, operational thing in our church here. Mm. I need to mention something else about about the congregation, because I don't think that they understand the value of sending you as a missionary to help other local churches. Mm. And it was really neat if, if I think you remember this when Gary and Judy Thrash happened to be able to come yep. to the services the first time that you were at First Baptist Lake Butler. Right. And I think the light clicked on for Gary Thrash. Yep. He was like, now I see mm-hmm. the impact that you are having on this body yeah. makes me proud yeah. as a member of Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church. That's the best way I can say that. Until this day, I got to be honest. I feel inadequate. I don't think that I because I, I fear that it's going to sound self-serving. You know, I I fear that it's going to sound prideful or whatever. And I I don't want to walk in pride or any arrogance. But until this day, I'm not. I, I still don't think our our congregation understands and grasps fully what happens when you go to another church and you invest in the pastor and his elders and his deacons and you answer their questions. But um, it, 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 it really is a special thing to get to the place in your life and your ministry to where you can give to others mm-hmm. beyond the walls of your congregation. Unfortunately, right now, I'm just at a season because we're so understaffed that um, some of that's probably going to have to be limited. Mm-hmm. You know, and I hate that, but it just something has to give somewhere, you know. But, but man, my heart is to be out there as much as I possibly can helping other brothers. That's really what where I want to be spending a lot of my chips the last half of the ball game, mm-hmm. you know. So, And I know that you're just wanting to go help churches right. that you know. Um, They're going to do are, something are, with it. Right. They're going to do something with it. They're, yeah. they're striving to be what Shelbyville Mills is today. Right. And uh, I, I believe there's a, a biblical precedent that established churches go and help yep. those younger, newer churches. I do too. I do too. Well, brother, it's been just an absolute joy to have you today. And I, I, I knew this would be exactly what I thought it would be. And to me, there's just nothing sweeter, nothing greater than two pastors sitting down and just um, laying it out there and being honest and open. And and uh, I hope we help somebody. I hope we did, too. That's always my goal. It's only my goal. Why else would we do this? And, and uh, my goal is to help a brother not maybe have to reinvent the wheel like I did. If I'd have heard somebody oh. 12 years ago on a podcast like this, they'd be receiving a phone call the Ma- next day. Immediately. I'd have been driving to wherever I had to drive <laughs> to get there to, to, to just uh, you know talk to that brother. But 
I just would say this, and this would just be my recommendation signing off, that, uh, you know, go go to our Facebook page at Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church and listen to Brother Jason John's messages from yesterday and from uh, last night. And then tonight, is it's Monday here. Mm-hmm. People will probably listen to this on Tuesday, tomorrow. but And then listen to all of the uh, fallout reach messages because Brother Jason is a local practitioner. He's a local pastor. He's a guy that's done it, not just talked about it. And I think it'll be very encouraging for you guys to hear from Brother Jason Johns. Uh, We love you. Thank you for tuning in today, and we'll talk to you the next time. Amen. Enjoy it, brother. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Faithful Expositor. For more information on Brother Johns' ministry, go to our church website, smbconline.com, and follow him on Twitter at Johns Sims.